So we're focusing this story is on 1 Samuel, and I'm focusing on the story that Samuel tells in chapter 11 and 12. This is a time when Saul has just been appointed and anointed king from Samuel. And he, this is a story that basically introduces to our Saul as a leadership, in a leadership role. But the people wanted a king. So God gave them a king. They wanted this king to be like other nations so that they could, they could have a king to lead them when they went to battle and when other nations attacked them. Now Saul was, he was the perfect picture of a king. He was tall. He was handsome. He was head and shoulders taller than everybody else in the land. So the people picked him out to lead them, even though God told them that he was their king. And, Saul, and Samuel told them they were the king. But shortly after that, being appointed, he was tested. And this is basically the first test of Saul as, uh, as we study what happens to him. So, if you would, read with me while we go into chapter 11. I'm going to read chapter 11, verses... Oh, I'm supposed to be clicking this. You know, it's hard to do this. <laughs> Click and talk because I I had my points that I was supposed to click but did I do it no well you guys will catch up with me as we go through this but anyway let's read chapter 11 verses 1 through 11 then Nahash the Ammonite went up and besieged Jabesh Gilead and all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash make a treaty with us and we will serve you but Nahash and the Ammonites said to them, On this condition I will make a treaty with you, that I gouge out all your right eyes and bring disgrace on Israel. And the elders of Jabesh said to him, Give us seven days respite, that we may send messengers throughout all the territory of Israel. Then if there is no one to save us, we will give ourselves to you. When the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul, they reported the matter to the ears of the people, and all the people wept aloud. Now behold, Saul was coming in from the field and behind, and behind the oxen. And Saul said, What is wrong with the people that they are weeping? So they told him the news of Jabesh Gilead, and the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words. And his anger was greatly kindled. He took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout the territory of Israel by the hand of the messengers, saying, Whoever does not come after Saul and Samuel, so shall it be done to your oxen. Then the dread of the Lord fell upon the people, and they came out as one man. And when he mustered them at Bezak and the people of Israel were 300,000 and the men of Judah were 30,000 and they said to the messengers who had come 
Thus shall you say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, Tomorrow by the time the sun is hot, you will have salvation. When the messenger came and told the men of Jabesh, they were glad. And therefore the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will give ourselves to you, that you may do whatever seems good. And the, the next day Saul put the people in three companies, and they came in the midst of the camp in the morning and watched and struck down the Ammonites until the heat of the day, and those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. So this is an incredible story, incredible victory. But Jabesh Gilead requested a treaty. They requested a treaty. They had a king. They, Saul was just appointed, they, but they didn't turn to Saul. They didn't turn to God. They made a treaty because that's what they thought they needed to do. They didn't want to fight because they knew they were outnumbered. So they did not want to fight, so they took it upon themselves to make a treaty. Now, the treaty wasn't the best. Treaty one, uh, Nahash wanted them to gouge out their right eye. Now, I wouldn't want that to happen to me. Uh, that, would be, that would be terrible. I mean, my vision's already poor. <laughs> That's why I'm wearing these glasses. And then have your right eye gouged out, basically as an embarrassment forever that the Ammonites are better than the Israelites in Jabesh Gilead. So this is the part that's a little odd to me. Give us time so that we can muster an army and fight you. Now, they already won. They already basically said, we, we've won. I've never heard of an arrangement like this, where you got to say, hey, let's see if we can get some army and we'll fight you in seven days. But so, they send messengers, send messengers out to everywhere, but no one comes. No one wants to go. They're crying when they get the message, but nobody's doing anything. Nobody's going to save Jabez Gilead. But when Saul learns, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. So, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Saul, and he immediately becomes the leader that they need. He cuts up that oxen that he was plowing, and that's another thing. This guy's already king, he's already been anointed king, and he's He's plowing in the fields with these oxen. He's coming in and saying, what's going on? I'm king. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. He just cuts up the oxen, immediately takes action, sends out to all the people. If you do not come and fight with Saul and Samuel, may this happen to your oxen. That is a serious threat to all your people telling you that it's going, you need to do this right now. And Israel comes. There's 330,000 men. That's why I got my background from. 330,000 men. I mean, I can't even imagine that many people walking together. 
coming to a battle and just trudging through the land. And the, and the fact that the Ammonites didn't know they were coming is another question. But <laughs> the messengers bring a message to Jabesh and tells them, you're going to be delivered. And you know, that, that's the funny thing. They say, okay, tomorrow we'll give you over to the Ammonites. I mean, they, they give it a message. But Saul strikes down all the Ammonites so that there's not two of them together. Not even running together. So they just annihilate them. So let's continue the story. Looking at chapter 11, verses 12 through 15. So they've just won the battle. And then the people said to Samuel, Who is it what that said? Saul shall reign over us. Bring those men that they may be put to death. But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has worked salvation in Israel. And Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal, that we, and there renew the kingdom. So that all the people went to Gilgal, and there, was, and there they made Saul king before the Lord at Gilgal. And they sacrificed peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. It's a huge victory. Huge victory. Now in chapter 10, right, after, right before this, there were men that didn't want Saul to be king. They, were, they referred to him as wicked men. They didn't want Saul to be king, and now... Saul has led him to this great victory. And so Saul does the right thing. Because they, these people want to put to death those people who doubted Saul. They didn't, basically they were picking sides. Oh, we picked the right guy. This is the right guy to lead us. But this is what Saul does, which gives God the credit. Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has worked salvation in Israel. Saul did the right thing. He knew it wasn't him. He gave credit to God. And that's a huge step of point for Saul. Because now he realizes that God. Now later in his career, he's not so strong in that, giving God the credit. But Samuel leads the people to Gilgal, and Saul's appointed king again. He's appointed a king, and he's anointed king. And this is another salvation picture. Later on, we're going to see several salvation pictures that Samuel refers to of how God delivered him. Now, when I was reading this, when it, I don't know if you can read that or not, but anyway, I'm just quoting the scripture that Brad read for us here. When it said that Saul, the Lord came upon, rushed upon Saul, uh, I thought of this when Jesus was quoting in the synagogue, Isaiah. In Luke 4, 17, and we'll read it again. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to them. He, he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it's written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, to set liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes, all the eyes of the people 
of the synagogue were fixed upon him and began to say, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the part, the, side, the Spirit of the Lord was upon me. The Spirit of the Lord was with Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord was with Saul. And that's what he's proclaiming here. Now he's quoting Isaiah. Reading Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to set, to send, and has sent me to bind the unbroken, to proclaim liberty to captives, and opening the prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of the Lord, to comfort all who mourn. This is a, a proclamation from God. And this is what Saul was to do to the people. He was basically doing the same thing. He was bringing peace to the nation. Just like Christ brought peace to us. He was binding the brokenhearted. He was bringing good news to the poor. I mean, you couldn't have been more poor than the people in Jabesh Gilead who knew they were defeated and they were about to have their eyes gouged out. But they, he brought peace. And he brought a proclamation of the Lord to the people. And that's what Christ does for us. Getting back to the story, let's go back to chapter 12, on to chapter 12, 1 through 19. This is basically a uh, farewell address to me of Samuel, and he addresses the people. And Samuel said to all Israel, Behold, I have obeyed your voice in all that you have said to me. And have made me a king over you, and made a king over you. And now, behold, the king walks before you, and I am old and gray, and behold, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my youth until this day. Here I am. Testify against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose oxen have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I taken a bribe or the blind in my eyes with it? Testify against me and I will restore it to you. They said, you have not defrauded us or oppressed us or taken anything from any man's hand. And he said to them, the Lord is witness against you and it is anointed as witness this day. You have not found anything in my hand. And they said, He is witness. And Samuel said to the people, The Lord is witness who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still, that I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous deeds that the Lord, that He performed for you and for your fathers. When Jacob went to Egypt and the Egyptians oppressed them, then your fathers cried out to the Lord, and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt. He made them dwell in this place, but they forgot the Lord their God. 
And he sold them into the hands of Sisera and commanded his army and command the commander of the army of Hazor, and into the hands of the Philistines, and into the hands of King of Moab. And they fought against them, and they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned, because we have forgot, forsaken the Lord and have served the Baals and the Ashereth. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies, that we may serve you. And the Lord sent Jeroboam and Barak and Jephthah and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side. And you lived safely. And when you saw that Nabash, the king of the Amorites, came against you, he said to me, No, but give a king to shall reign over us. When the Lord was your king. Now behold, the king who you have chosen, from whom you have asked, behold, the Lord has set the king over you. If you will fear the Lord, serve him, and obey his voice, and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, and if both of you and the kings who reign over you will follow the Lord, it will be well. But if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Now, therefore, stand still and see the great thing that the Lord has do before your eyes. Is it not the wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord that you may send thunder and rain, and you shall know and see your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking for a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain, that all the people feared greatly, and the, feared the, greatly the Lord and Samuel. So Samuel did, and the Lord did what the people want. He gave him a king. And Samuel recounts a history lesson. A history lesson for all of Israel, which repeats over and over in the Old Testament. Samuel asked, Have I taken anybody's animals? Have I defrauded you? Have I done anything wrong in your sight? And the people say, No. No, we, you haven't done anything wrong to us. It's almost like they were saying, Well, why are you asking this? So Samuel gives them a history lesson to remind them who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought you out of Egypt. This was several hundred years since then. But they keep reminding them of who led them. Who, when they were in trouble, who saved them? And it was God. But they forgot God. Over and over, they repeat this cycle. He keeps reminding them. There was Sisera and the Philistines and the king of Moab and they fought against you and you cried out to the Lord, we have sinned. And they say, save us. And guess what? The Lord saves them. The Lord sends prophets and he sends judges to save them over and over I like the fact that Samuel includes himself in this list. <laughs> Samuel's telling the history, and it's right now. 
you did this over and over again. And I've sent, God has sent deliverers, and God has sent me to deliver you. When you should have turned to the Lord because the Lord was your king. And every time they forgot the Lord. And they forgot he was their king. But he tells them, obey the voice of the Lord. Obey the voice of the Lord, you and your king, not just the people. So Samuel gives them a sign, gives them a reason why they should listen to the Lord. Not that they didn't have all the other signs, but the wheat offers. This is a dry season in, in Israel. When the wheat dries up, that's the perfect time to harvest it. And it doesn't rain at this time of year. So he sends rain. Must have been a pretty big rain for them to fear so greatly. It wasn't a normal rain shower or normal spring shower. We're getting ready to come into spring. We're going to have a lot of rain in this time. But he, it's, it's a massive rain. Let's pick up back in, verse, in chapter 12, verse 19, where we see the final address from, from Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants, to Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added all our sins to this evil, to ask for ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And I will instruct you in the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you will be swept away, both you and your king. It's a powerful message. Powerful message. These people thought they were going to die from this rain shower. Much less, it was time to harvest. Not, their crops were about to be destroyed from this flood of rain. And Samuel says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. This was a sign. And Samuel warns them. Warns them not to do it again. Serve the Lord. And not just a little bit. Serve Him with all your heart. And don't turn to the Baals, to the Asherah, the empty things. The empty things that they found to worship other than God. And the Lord will not forsake you. And Samuel, I love this, Samuel saying he will intercede for the people. Over and over again you see God sending an intercessor. 
God sending an intercessor to intercede for the people because the people sinned against them. But Samuel considers it a sin against him if he didn't intercede for the people to be the mediator between him and God. But if you do wickedly, you and your king will be swept away. Some applications of this. this basically, this last paragraph is the application I want to take from this story. Do not turn to things that will not deliver you. What are things that stop you from worshiping God? What are things that you trust in rather than God? Do we trust in our, our own abilities to do work, to get paid? Do we trust in our family, our friends, our money? All those things can turn us. And there's so many things that just take us away. But God is the only one that can deliver you. Now God's not going to step in and make you well or, or if you have... There's many things that God decides to do that we don't know what He's going to do. In this story, we know God stepped in and delivered Israel. Today, we have to trust God. And even if He doesn't fix whatever we're asking Him to fix... He still will save us. He's still faithful to save us from this, after this life, to bring us to heaven, to be with Him. God does not abandon us. Over and over and over, Samuel recounts the times that the people rejected God and turned, but God was faithful. God is faithful to us. He will not abandon us. Samuel giving all these examples of the times that Israel sinned against them. God always took them back. That applies to us. If we have sinned, don't think that God's too big to forgive you. He will. And He will take you back and bring you back. And we have an intercessor. We have an intercessor for us to help us to intercede for us. Samuel was their intercessor. Christ is our intercessor. Hebrews 7.25 He is our intercessor and He intercedes for us. When we don't know how to ask, He intercedes for us. It's been a short lesson, but it's one that I felt very passionate about hope it came across in my delivery in reading these scriptures but please don't ever turn your back on God because God is all we need that encompasses a lot that's an easy statement but that encompasses a lot but still we need God and we need him every day in our life just like Drew talked about this morning, sharing your examples of how God's helped you in his life is what we need to do. Thank you all for your attendance.
and you're listening, been all so kind to me. We're about to sing in the song of invitation. If anybody would like or need help, or prayers, or intercession, we would be happy to do it for you. And if you would like to come and be baptized into Christ, and become one of His children, you do it now. As together we stand and sing.